Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome everyone to our review of The Face of Evil. And I think The Face of Evil for me tonight is something called Skype, because it did an update literally about an hour before we started recording. And I guess as payback for all of my, oh dear, I seem to have lost my recorder. I have literally lost my recorder, my Skype recorder because it's not working. Seems fitting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So since you said seems fitting first, welcome back, Clarence Brown. I guess you are enjoying this, I have a feeling. Uh, well, you know, uh, it gets you wins when you can take them. But um, yeah, man, I'm happy to be back and, uh, you know, as always, talking to you guys and here with the Discussing Who family and that includes the listeners. So yeah, glad to be here, man. Awesome. Awesome. And also glad to welcome back Mr. Lee Shackelford. Lee, how are you? I'm grand, grand. Good, good to talk with you guys as always. And, uh, uh, we're talking about one of my favorite Doctor Who classic Who serials. So it's pretty good. Pretty good all around. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to say again, we are here to talk about the face of evil. But before I get into that, I want to give a big thank you to two people who have been on the episodes, not immediately preceding this one, but episode number 194 and 195. Mm -hmm. We had Laura Sellers join me for a companion Mm -hmm. spotlight on Donna Noble. And then we had Ashford Wright from Straight Out of Gallifrey join me on episode 195 for a companion spotlight on both versions of Romana. So thank you again, Laura and Ashford. Pleasure having you on. Just terrific, terrific little interviews. Yeah, just great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So gentlemen, before we get into it, I have a couple of things for the news. And I want to start out with something that is big news and is something that we did not get to go to last year because of scheduling conflicts, but virtually we are going to be able to go to Hulanta 2020. Yeah. So thoughts, guys, what do you think? Sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's there are a lot of uh, sort of virtual parties going on, and uh, you know, uh, some of them are disappointing, and some of them are really, really exciting. So it's going to be all in term, all about um, how it's organized, how it's put together. But um, um, I, I know that I'm happy about the fact that uh, Sophie Aldrin is going to be on this uh, this massive Zoom with us, or whatever it's going to be, and, yeah. and that's fun. Yes, 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 yes. And I just think it is so awesome that we're doing this. We have Alan Seiler to thank for that. I believe this is his brainchild of an idea. I believe so. And kudos to all who lent. I am so excited. I, I, I'm just, that's all I can say. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, man. Very exciting. And, um, it's funny that you should, uh, mention Zoom, Lee, because, uh, I recently watched the uh, Orphan Black live table read, and <laughs> oh man, they had about t- at least twelve different actors on there, and it was a little hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right in saying these things can be done really well, or they can be a huge miss. But I'm ex- excited, excited about what they're doing with Hulana this year, and uh, hopefully, you know, more people will be able to drop in since it's virtual. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, uh, I, I'm excited because, you know, she had to cancel at the last minute last year. But you've got Rachel Talalay, um, mm-hmm. who has been, you know, directing some of the my favorite Doctor Who episodes. So it's cool to have her as well. So that, yes, I'm very, very, very excited about that. Yeah. So I shared something on our Facebook group yesterday, our Discussing Network group, after watching it. And it was Doctor Who done in Avengers Endgame closing credits style. What did you guys, did both of you get a chance? First, let me ask this question. Did both of you have an opportunity to watch it? When I clicked on it, it said video unavailable. (laughs) So I think they took it down. Well, no, oh, I think you okay. had to go to, um, you had to actually go. It did that to me too. And Slack, you had to mm-hmm. go to, um, you had to go to YouTube, YouTube. proper. Well, yeah, you had to, you had to find, follow another link. Yeah. I had that happen too. And I thought, well, I wonder if you can go this way. Ah, yes. Oh, well, yeah. Boy. Well, maybe it's still out there, but it is, it is a beautiful, beautiful execution of a, of an idea and, um, labor intensive. I mean, d- imagine digging all those film clips up. And, uh, and arranging them in the way that they did. It's, uh, it really is. It's a remarkable thing. And, and I love that, that piece of music as well, that Avengers theme. So, uh, it was very interesting to see them go together like that. Yes. Yes. I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I got a little like concerned there for a second because I'm watching it and I'm looking and I see, Oh, wait, you forgot. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Sladen, what's yes. going on? And then uh, I was like, oh, I know what you're doing. And then whenever they did what they did for anybody that watches it, which I'll put link in the show notes, it was like, oh, my allergies started messing up as they <laughs> usually do whenever it yeah. uh, dealt with Elizabeth Sladen. <laughs> so that's the only two things that I have in the news other than just wanting to apologize for all of our listeners for me tonight, because I will go ahead and say my brain is all over the place because I'm missing my little box that shows that we're recording and I keep looking down in the corner and it's not there and I'm spazzing. So I'm apologizing <laughs> as part of the news. But any other than Kyle's crazy, anything else going on? Well, at least it doesn't you, adapt well. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, at least your box isn't shrinking while you're trying to use the chameleon circuit or get it fixed. Oh, wait, that's Legopolis. I'm sorry. You, you, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Legopolis, <laughs> yeah. has anybody by chance taken a look at Legopolis recently? Yeah. Anybody? Well, you know, maybe unintentionally. Well, maybe intentionally, but in, in error, in huge error. Yeah. It's It's been a minute, but... um why? <laughs> well, somebody, no, not me and not Lee, watched a little bit of Legopolis, but then had the right frame of mind to say, let me confirm, did we change what we were uh, <laughs> reviewing? And, and but, but he asked the wrong two of us, Lee, because oh. then Kyle actually said, the mind of evil. And then I, about 10 minutes later, was like, oh, oh bleep. Yeah. Now he's going to go and watch another wrong That's a different. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, yeah. when we have an itinerary and, you know, I'm, I'm just like, what is it? The anchor man? If there's something on the screen, I'm going to read it. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yeah, well, you know, down the wrong path. 
<laughs> true, 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 true. So, so really quick before we uh, go into the spoilers, what yeah. did you think of Lepkopolis going into it for what you saw? Did were you enjoying it, or were you to the point of let me make sure we're watching this because this really ain't that good? No, no, I, th- I thought it was interesting at first. I love that they were diving into the chameleon circuit. That's my first time seeing Adric. I've never seen an Adric story, so I was getting kind of into it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, you know what? We made just. <laughs> Need to follow back up on Legopolis. Yeah, yeah we, we said we were going to try to do uh, some uh, regeneration stories. and That's whatever, one of the weirdest yeah. regenerations it, there a is. Very, very weird one, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Clarence often uh, says, uh, hey, guys, you're hurting my brain. Uh, I do love that whole business of the TARDIS materializing inside yes. the TARDIS. Inception and, style. And, that's right. But, but Edric goes to open the door. The doctor says, I wouldn't open that door. <laughs> but you know what? Well, again, yeah. I only got two stories in, but it felt like they were going to go deep into the science fiction part of it. And to me, that's like what that's an element of Doctor Who that I feel sometimes is missing, especially when you think of New Who. I mean, well, especially the last two seasons, other than traveling in a TARDIS, a.k.a. spaceship in time and space. Uh, to me, they don't really dive into the science fictiony or even stories that are more centered toward maybe a Twilight Zone or things like that. That's the stuff I really love. And when they do that, I really like really gravitate to it. And I want more of it. I want yeah. more. No, I'm with, I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, that you know what? The simple fact that you just said, the both of you did what you just did, mm-hmm. maybe Legopolis is something that we need to review next. So there you go. The 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 time uh, we have now created a fixed moment. But you know what we've <laughs> also know is a fixed moment? Uh, when we sound the spoiler alert? Yes. Yes. So I get to say, if you have not seen The Face of Evil, Put us on pause. Go out. Watch the episode. Come back. Because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 All righty. We are back, and we are back to review The Face of Evil. This is the fourth story of the 14th season of Doctor Who, first airing in four installments between the 1st and the 22nd of January, 1977. It starred Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor and introduced Louise Jameson as Leela. And I just felt like I was saying four, 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 fourteen, four over and over and over there for a second. Hmm. Just thought that was it. Yeah, yeah, for the, yeah, fourth episode, fourteenth mm. season. Yeah. So, question, and I'll pose it first to you, Lee Shackelford. Mm. What did you think of this story? I enjoyed this more than uh, even before, and I've always and I've always liked this uh, this serial. Uh, first two episodes much stronger than the the second two, uh, which is a pity. But um, my golly, what's what interesting performances? What a great setup! I just it's just it's just delightful. I just love it. So that's me. Awesome. So Clarence Brown, what say you? I mean, this definitely, like I mentioned before, this falls into to the camp of, uh, you know, sort of the things that I see Doctor Who not doing as much that I love is like a play on time uh, where, the you know, we'll get into it. But the doctor realizes he's done something that has had an effect that he did not anticipate. And 
That was, that's right up my alley. Right up my yeah. alley. I yeah. really love the reveal of what was actually going on because it had me, <laughs> my head spinning <laughs> a little bit. So yeah, from that aspect, I really loved it. Really loved seeing Leela in my first, this is my first story with her in it. Uh, so I love that as well. And you know, we saw, uh, we saw Louise Jamison at the Hulana a few years back. So, I see what all the hoopla was about now, just like I did with Perry Brown, uh, <laughs> having not watched her before I saw her in person. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about this, man. I really enjoyed this series. So before I say, uh, what I thought about it, got a quick question, Clarence, I want to pose to you. Having this be one of the companions that you've seen, does that m- give you a tighter association going into watching this knowing that you've seen this person and you know like in real life yeah in a in a in a sense but i would say more so it's knowing that lee is such a huge fan and mm-hmm. just like um with elizabeth slayton i'm trying to figure out what it is that you guys love about this character this actor so that's kind of the mindset i had going in sweet sweet so i will follow up having gone through spearhead from space which is you know the episode that we just reviewed coming back into this this i think is what classic doctor who was at its best it presented a situation, the doctor comes in, and in this case, the doctor inadvertently calls, and I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but it was a good example of great science fiction. The doctor had things to do, and it really didn't have that many sets, uh, you know, if you think about it, but it was so well constructed and so well written that I sat down to watch the first episode and then finished the third episode by the time I finished watching. So I watched the first three back to back to back because it yeah. just so easily flowed one to the other to the other. Yeah, agreed. I would love to see uh, notes on producing this episode because I I know that there's that one of the things that Doc, the classic who was great at was getting a lot of mileage out of what little set they were able to build. You know, having people running up and down the same corridor, filmed from different angles and things like that. But it looks like they made, they built a lot of that jungle. Uh, and I bet they didn't. So I'd really like to know how, how much sort of square footage was there of that? Cause I, I didn't feel like we were seeing the same part of it over and over again. And neither did I. And I did notice some scenes that looked like they, maybe they were behind a, a blue screen, a green screen at some uh. points. But, but yeah, it really felt, vast but you could tell it was inside you know in the studio so yeah. so i yeah I, I thought it was well done mm. so i want to ask you guys real quick about the original titles and the choice to go with the face of evil and basically my question is going to be do you think they chose the right title and i'll go ahead and answer my own question here and say <laughs> i think they did but the original titles that were considered was The Day God Went Mad and The Tower of a Mellow. Mm-hmm. And Prime Directive. And Prime Directive. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so The Face of Evil, as opposed to those three, do you think they chose the right one? Well, I don't... 
I understand why why they got squeamish about the the day God went mad, uh, because this is a really uh, uh, sort of anti organized religion uh, script. Uh, and Chris Boucher is very was he he's an atheist writer who really wears his beliefs on his sleeve, and it's in it's in all of his work. So you know you know this is what you're going to get from Chris Boucher. Um, but um, see, you couldn't remember Face of Evil when you were trying to recommend it to to Clarence, right? You you called it Mind of Evil. Yes, <laughs> and it's 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 why I can't remember any of these Dalek stories. It's all the something something of the Daleks. I don't know what what's Remembrance and what is Destiny and which ones. I can't, you know, Face of Evil. It's I don't know. There's so many other things you could call this, but it's just. In, the the third doctor stories seem to always have of death, you know, tacked onto them, which just sounds like, <laughs> well, we don't like it enough. Uh, it's it's not scary enough. Uh, say of death at the end, you know, it's the face of evil. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I would I would say that it would be a little bit too generic. Uh, but if for that uh, wonderful cliffhanger, which will f- forever be ingrained in my memory. <laughs> Isn't oh my that a God. great moment? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, what? <laughs> even, even even before – I know I'm getting to the story. But even before we got that revealed, I kind of got that it may be him. That was kind of the, the notion that I was getting. But, oh, my God. Yeah. That, the, <laughs> that Mount Rushmore of a – Exactly. <sighs> All right. So, so let's get into that. So let's talk about the doctor's previous visit because, Mm. well, first we establish in that cliffhanger that the doctor has been here and we establish that this face of evil that they keep hinting at is the doctor. So before you realized later in the story what was what and what was really going on, what was your takeaway at that cliffhanger, Clarence, in seeing the doctor being this Mount Rushmore type face of this evil God that they were, are referring to. And you see this incarnation of the doctor's face. What were your thoughts? Well, obviously, this being a uh, time and space travel show, uh, you knew it had to be him being there earlier and influencing, influencing events in some fashion. Now, what I wasn't clear of, and I still don't know because I didn't really research it. Sorry, guys. Uh, is the fact that was his previous visit an actual episode or was it, or was he just pretty much just giving exposition about what he did prior? It's the, uh, the famous plot hole of this episode is that there, we, we have never been to this world before in classic who in, in canon proper. And more to the point, starting from his regeneration from the fourth doctor, the story seemed to follow more or less in continuous time. So the question has always been, when the hell did he have time for this? Interesting. And wh- right after his regeneration, he goes into the TARDIS for a minute. We hear it start up and then he comes back out again. And the nearest that anybody's been able to retcon this is that that's when he goes to this planet. Mm. And he comes back literally to the same instant after he's <laughs> accidentally created Zoanon. <laughs> But the, but since if it's right after his regeneration, that would at least help the shoehorning this into the story. At, le- at least that would explain why he doesn't remember it. Hmm. So you you want to hear another? But it is a retcon. Yeah, retcon. Mm. And I I'm going to say the more we have spent in the classic Doctor Who's, specifically 
in this era, era, excuse me, not, um, you know, thinking about classic who and doing all these stories, I'm increasingly starting to feel badly about some of the things of, I've said about Chibnall's writing. <laughs> and here's why. We know that Chibnall was a longtime or is a longtime Doctor Who fan. That's established. It's fact. I'm wondering if his current stories may center around this era. And I'm specifically going to call out Brian of Morbius because we saw that spoilers and series 12. I'm going to give this off the wall. This is my take here. But if the doctor doesn't recall that he visited this planet, <laughs> who's to say that the division didn't send him on a mission there and wiped his memory after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been established that his memory, the doctor's memory has been tampered with. There you go. I mean, you know, it's, it's in canon that there is a story that happened with the doctor having visited that he doesn't remember visiting. Mm, that could be right up Chibnall's alley. Yes, that's true. It, so, yeah, maybe so. And I, I guess you could probably also chalk it up to actually what he did by contributing sort of his, some of his brain waves, if I'm, you know, mm-hmm. gathering this correctly to this, uh, Watson of a computer, um, mm-hmm. could be part of why he doesn't remember. They don't really say that, but that's just me. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So let's talk like about that. Watson of the computer. <laughs> Zoannon, yes. this artificial intelligent with dual multiple, personalities and it's funny and i want to give this one to you uh lately because you have created in relativity a concept of an ai that is a very interesting ai to say the least and i'm curious to know what you were thinking having created nadia and having zoannan as this creature that we're watching. What were your thoughts of Zoannan? Um, well, I got lots of thoughts about Zoannan. Okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you a little bit of um, uh, historical trivia, if you're interested. Uh, a Zoannan is a real thing. Um, that it, it, uh, this computer doesn't get that name accidentally, but it's a beautiful uh, choice of names in this case to call the computer that because a zoana this is it's a greek word an ancient greek word and it describes statuary from the culture on the greek islands before them before the greek empire so it's like their archaeologists used to find these these statues and they're very primitive they're they look like people so you know that they were they were sculptures but they're very crude so a zoannan is a copy or an image of somebody, but it's not a very good one. <laughs> mm, okay. Isn't that great? And, and so Chris Boucher names this computer Zoannan. That's that's really good, folks. But anyway, uh, yeah, Zoannan is is like uh, HAL nine thousand or or or, uh, or Nadia or, or a lot of other uh, uh, interesting AIs in fiction, and that uh, it, it, uh, it, it's working with what it has. You know, it's just trying to make the best of what it's got. And if it gets conflicting information, it will keep trying to work with that. You know, um, the, 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 one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, uh, you know, original series is about, uh, a, a, a super smart computer and they turn the enterprise over to it and they, they have it run war games. 
Well, they haven't noticed in the process of this that the the programmer has been quietly losing his mind for quite a while. <laughs> so, you know, and they've used his personality on the computer. So when it gets into the war games, M5 starts playing to kill. And, you know, um, but what else is it supposed to do? You know, it doesn't know. It doesn't understand that you're not supposed to do that. And this is so. This is the problem with Zoannan too. It just doesn't know who it is or what it's supposed to do anymore. And it's so it's throwing up, you know, force fields and invisible monsters and things like that. And <laughs> uh, yeah. all right, now go ahead. Well, and and carrying on this this uh, this sort of uh, perpetuating this civil war because Zoannan is is guiding the Tesh. But is also creating insurrection by talking to Neva. Yeah. So. Yeah. Zoannan's <laughs> uh, so nuts. That, uh, and, but it's too bad. All right, Clarence, what do you think? I just kind of had to agree with what Lee said. At first, I thought there may have been some type of logic to what he was doing, but I, I kind of equated to us as humans. Uh, who who can decipher or? Um, reason with how a, a human thinks, you know, we don't know. We, we see people do stupid stuff all the time, you know, but then you have a computer, which is, you know, making all these decisions based on the information that's fed to it. And, uh, like Lee said, it happens all the time in science fiction, computer goes rogue. And this is kind of the same thing here. Um, so yeah, I, I, I found it kind of what I expected to be. All righty. All right. So let me ask my next question, because I said that my brain would be totally off its game and off its rocker tonight. <laughs> so I want to ask you guys about the two warring factions. And, you know, we see the doctor and he, he arrives on this planet and there are these true, uh, blah, blah, blah. We see the doctor has arrived on the planet where there are two tribes, these savage Savatim and the technically brilliant Tesh, and they are at war with each other. Curious, because I didn't remember this from watching, so I didn't get it at first. When did you guys connect the name as to what they actually were? Oh, when he told us. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, yeah, I didn't either. I didn't connect. Uh, Lee, did you? Well, I may have a false memory of this because I've I've been watching this episode since 1977, you know, uh, over and over again. But uh, you, you do have to notice pretty early on that these are people who live in the jungle. But then somebody pulls a knife and that's a steel knife they've got. And you and you, you, you may be thinking, OK, that's kind of a howling error in this production. But then we get to the village and we see all kinds of plastic and there's wire and things. And, you know, you start thinking, no, this is, these are the descendants of a shipwreck, aren't they? Yeah. And they don't know. <laughs> they don't even remember. I mean, I, I don't know how, how old I was when I put that together, but you know, you, you, you do start seeing, you, you go, well, they didn't find that helmet out there in the, in the jungle, did they? <laughs> so well, what's going on? Seven team survey team, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and for me, that was you mentioned the the relics, which I'm gonna call them. Um, mm -hmm. That was one of the wonderful, most wonderful things about this uh, arc is seeing how you know you talked about religious connotations and things um, in the storyline, but also uh, you look at how we put 
value on things that we deem are from the past and uh, may have been significant in some way. No, that's just a glove you made a helmet yeah. out of. I mean, right. and we and, do and, it all the time. And <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. I so love that. I like the hat. Very fetching. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk for just a second about Neva. And Clarence, I want to point it to you first. What did you think of Neva? Okay, Neva was the uh, worshiper high priest guy, if I remember. Uh, high priest guy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he was the uh, Lee's evil lookalike. The shaman. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, man. Uh, I didn't know the backstory about the writer and stuff until Lee said it, uh, but it makes a lot of sense now. Uh, I think the picture they were attempting to paint was that um, we follow things and we have no idea how much of it is rooted in truth. They make a wonderful statement and I have it written down here. Let me pull it up. Um, answers are easy. No, 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 no. That's not the one I'm looking for. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. yeah here very go, here powerful go. and very stupid. <laughs> no, no. Here, here we go. Okay. We, 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 we start getting proof. We stop believing with right. proof. We don't have to believe. Uh, that's right. Wow. That's just like a slap in the face to yeah. <laughs> anyone who really believes in anything for that matter and has, have to have faith to actually, um, 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 believe in something and, and, um, it steers your life. So we see this guy here who his whole existence is steered by hearing these voices from the void. Um, <laughs> and it really just makes me look at, you know, how I believe in things. I'm, I'm not going to say it changes it, but it really makes you take a deeper look at, uh, the things we do and the things we believe in. So him as a character, I thought he was a perfect, um, I don't know, allegory, a perfect, uh, example of, of some of the things that go on in our lives. And it just makes you take a second look. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. What I liked about him was he started off for me as your typical evil character. And it seemed like the more you found out about what Zoanon was, you saw him, at least I did, in a little bit more of a sympathetic eye because I saw him as being someone. He was faithful. Faithful. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, many, many evils are done in the guise of religion. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I don't I guess what I, I, I guess the point I want to make about him was. And, and, and Clarence, I think you said it perfectly. You know, he, 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 it was what he believed in. It wasn't that his motives were, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be powerful. He really believed in what he was doing. Yeah. That's what you I know? gathered from. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't be walking around with a big space a glove on his head. He had a glove yeah. on his head. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Well, yeah. <laughs> so they say it's the hand of Zoanna. It's the yeah. so bad. See, and I just can't get past how good looking this guy is. I mean, I just couldn't. I just couldn't take my eyes off. Uh, it just almost felt like a mirror, didn't it? It's David Garfield is one of those actors who was in everything. I mean, he, what a career he's had. But uh, but yeah, um, the, I think they asked him to shave his head for this, and uh, wow, he done it. But it, it it really does make him uh, make him stand out. But uh, yeah, um, 
But yeah, I, I really have to agree and echo everything that Clarence is saying is that I, I, I have been uh, on my personal faith journey. I've been at different places when I've seen this episode. I remember that I used to find him really offensive. And now I'm fascinated by the fact that I, I, I have to agree with you that he's, he's, he's faithful. He's doing what he believes in. Uh, as destructive as it is to other people. But there, there are moments too where, where he, he'll argue with the, with the tribal elder there, the leader. And, uh, and he'll say, well, Zoanan says so. <laughs> and we haven't had any evidence of that. And, and I, that's when I kind of think, yeah, I, I know this guy. I've, I've worked with this guy in the real world. Yeah. Well, God <laughs> said so. Yeah. Oh, did he? God told you that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But, but you know, the, the kind of the heartbreaking moment that I had not remembered Exactly was that it's easy to think of Neva as just being uh, somebody who who loves the power of what he can tell. You know, he can say, "Well, I'm the one who talks to Zoanna, whether he does or not." But then the way the story is presented, then it shows us he does talk to Zoanna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, now I have to reappraise this character. He's he's not making that up. <laughs> yeah. And when he finds that his god is false, he sets out to kill him. Oh, and I, <laughs> you know, that's the big switch. It's like, all right, I've been faithful to you. And, um, yeah, <laughs> so like this is the thing. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So good. So, that's right. So let's talk for a minute about our friend Leela mm. and Clarence. I want to point to you first. What did you think about seeing the character that you saw Lee get like all teenagery and uh, nervous about asking her a question at Hulanta, and you finally see this character on the screen. What were your initial thoughts of Leela? Like um, 40 years early. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I can see why Lee was smitten. I, I don't fault him on that one bit. As I was watching this, oh my God, beautiful, beautiful. But more about her character, though. I love the way she comes off as very strong, very independent. Um, I don't so much like, there were a few instances you know, when, when this, this came out in the eighties, right? Early eighties, late seventies. I can't remember. 77. Yeah. yeah there's, there was a few times she was treated, you know, kind of stereotypical. They kind of slap her around a little bit. I'm like, Oh, do we really have to do that? Uh, but as far as her portrayal and her interaction with the doctor, I thought it was all great and fun. And, um, I love that the doctor has a puller, you know, uh, tear down a few pegs, uh, <laughs> on killing a few guys. And, uh, yeah, I love, she reminds me of Ace in some senses. Yes. Uh, she's very independent, very go-getter. I can get stuff done. Um, and I love that about her. And I want to see more of her, quite frankly, because I, I loved it. I loved it. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you uh, spoke of Ace because, uh, you know, the, there was a running joke of, of her not having the, her Nitro 9 with her, but she always does. Uh, and we, we get, we get that joke and remember it's the Daleks. And, uh, as we'll go along with Leela, she, he's told her never again to use those thorns. Yeah. And, um, you know, so we have to assume that she's gotten rid of them, right? And the thorns are going to turn up again. So yeah, she she's not going to do it just because he. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so that that's exactly like Ace. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. So, um, and she, this is this is a great script, and and it was because this played out over a month. You know, they had time to read the fan mail, and uh, um, 
So the, the story has been said that it was it wasn't even decided that she was going to be a companion at this point. But that's that's actually not true. And we do have the paperwork on that. Uh, Louise Jameson was signed to do 14 episodes, which would get her through the end of this season. Wow. At which time we were going to change companions. Um, that's not how it played out. And that was a response to fan mail. People really liked her. But what happens then is that they have scripts that they rush into production, many of which were written for back for season 13. So we've got scripts that were really written for Sarah Jane as the companion. Huh. And who was it who, who told us this? Was it Andrew Cartmel? But somebody who had worked on the show who told us that there were scripts that literally had Sarah Jane marked out and Leela's name written in you know, <laughs> over the lines of dialogue. So she ends up with scripts that are just – it's not Leela. That's not who the – you know, it's just Leela saying somebody else's lines. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's such a pity because here where she's in the jungle and, you know, she uh, is – it's just such a great character. It's so much fun. In her element. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, can't, I can't even really, uh, you know, seeing her, and I guess she did eventually, but take the place of, of Sarah Jane's lines because the characters are so different to me. So different. Right. No, they're, they're polar opposites. And you can't just take Sarah's words and put them in Leela's mouth. They don't make sense. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like with, with Leela, you're setting up the fish out of water experience everywhere she goes, basically. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And the great thing about Talons of Wing Chiang and why why I was there blushing and stammering and wanting to talk with her about that was because they go to Victorian England. So she's got to wear a dress <laughs> and act like a lady and eat with cutlery and, you know, all these things that she just doesn't know how to do and doesn't want to know how to do. Yeah. You know, and she sees uh, somebody lighting a pipe and she says to the doctor that he's making fire in his mouth. <laughs> you know, and that's... You know, it's that, that's that's was going to be the fun with her. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I, she she's great fun here. Um, and uh, but you can sense that she the, the the story is sort of running out of things for her to do in the in the second and uh, the third and fourth parts of the story. Um, but 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 it's but it still works, you know. Yeah, and I was saying, like, what an awesome setup to the first time that we see her. They're they're banishing her. They're yeah. kicking her out. <laughs> yeah, we see her before we see the doctor. Yeah, and yeah, great setup. It's an execution. Yeah, yeah. And and why why banish the one beautiful woman in the whole story? I'm saying, uh, you know, bad idea. You know, but you know, I, I never really looked at that tribe that way. I thought you guys do realize this is the last generation here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man>. But <laughs> you know, a, a good testament to Louise Jameson. You know, we did in our news just I think last episode where we were talking about she and Tom Baker recording an episode uh, or an, a, not an episode, a story for Big Finish. Yes, just. You know, in the last couple of months, they're still being Leela and the fourth doctor mm-hmm. with K9, nonetheless. That's right. And, and, you know, we often associate K9 with Sarah Jane because of a version of K9 coming to be owned, of course, by Sarah. But it's often, I often forget that it is with Leela that the doctor first encounters K9. That's right. Yep. And it's K9 Mark II that he'll run around with with uh, Romana. Yes. So, yeah, if there's anybody who's still got K9, it should be Leela. And speaking Who, spoilers, of... we left behind on Gallifrey. And if Gallifrey is destroyed, that means we killed Leela, too. And I, oh. I, I object. Me, too. 
Yeah. That would also mean that we kill Romana, too. Romana, yes. <laughs> yep. And so. if I'm not incorrect in saying this, since she stayed on Gallifrey, she was the bodyguard in in either some audio and or, you know, uh, prose format. She was Romana II's bodyguard when Romana was president of Gallifrey. Oh, interesting. So. Oh, oh, yeah. I want to ask you before we completely go off Lilo. What happened to the previous companion and who was it? Was it Sarah Jane? Yeah. And uh, this is that, that famous uh, uh, largely improvised parting where uh, uh, the doctor has tells her he has to take her home because he's been called to Gallifrey. And, uh, yeah, he has the sort of dismissive line, can't take Sarah to Gallifrey. That's all the explanation we get about that. But, yeah. yeah. And, you, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you guys feel about Leela after your, you know, precious Sarah Jane was booted, <laughs> booted out the yeah, it's funny. I, I, I always resent, the, you know, the new doctor when they come along, but I, I remember kind of sulking about Sarah Jane. And then, yeah, I just, yeah, I was on board with Leela. Yeah. Sort of from <laughs> okay. I mean, this is just too interesting. Just, yeah, Sarah Jane wasn't just going to occasionally blithely murder people who are trying to hurt the doctor. That, you know, oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be different. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you but you know what? I think if you would have had another modern character, whoever she may have been, she could have been maybe not a reporter. She could have been a scientist mm-hmm. like Liz Shaw, or she could have just been somebody that he met. I think one of the things, forget the physicality, you know, about what Louise Jameson looked like, even though I do think that played a factor in people accepting her, obviously, but you made her so drastically different as a character from what Sarah was, hence to your point, Lee, about it feeling odd when they basically took, uh, you know, and marked out Sarah and put Leela, I mean, Mark, yeah, marked out Sarah Jane and put Leela's name in the script that it didn't fit because they were so drastically different. And I think that's maybe why she worked. Hmm. Well, do you, well, let me ask you this. Do you think we're currently in modern who are we doing a disservice to only have for the most part, modern characters or modern campaigns with the exception of of Jack, I guess Uh, everybody else pretty much from our time or the time to show Mm -hmm. shot. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I I missed that. I, I like to have somebody like uh like Zoe, you know, who's from the future, Leela, mm-hmm. who's, well, Leela's from the future too, I guess, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but, but Victoria Waterfield, you know, who's, who's a Victorian person or Jamie, you know, it's, it's a pity that I think that would be interesting to, to have companions now, like that. But, um, I don't know what century it was, but Nardle was from the future. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, you, you're spot on that everybody is whatever, age, you know, whatever it is that they're in, in that particular story. And it's interesting now that you mention that, because in theory, the companion is supposed to stand in for the viewer, you know, that, yeah. that, that's supposed to be the character that we, tr- you know, emotionally transport to and say, this is what it would be like to be traveling with the doctor. But with Leela, I don't know. <laughs> now, now we're really the doctor and we're traveling with this alien, you know, uh, it's, it's an interesting time. Um, the story, and we've heard that we heard this from Louise Jameson, and it's been written about a lot, was that Tom Baker didn't like this idea. And he 
and and I, I'm sure he has come to regret this since. But uh, apparently, he made it harder for Louise than it needed to be. Oh. Um, that uh, he they had just done the Deadly Assassin, where he doesn't have a companion at all, and he was saying to the showrunners, "This is how it ought to be." You know, really. Um, I don't need somebody to talk to all the time. Uh, and this story, of course, starts with him talking to the camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I forgot. <laughs> this, this is not Deadpool. I mean. That's right. Yeah. So <sighs> uh, maybe that was Chris Boucher's way of saying, yeah, see what happens when you don't have somebody to talk to. <laughs> but um, Does that happen often? Mm, 12 did it. Yeah. Hmm. He, the bootstrap paradox. When it, I don't remember oh, yeah. which episode it was, but he was playing the guitar and he's right. talking about uh, talks Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it bugs me too. But um, but yeah, then then apparently they told Tom, and uh, we think she's going to be a jungle girl. And here's a sketch of her costume. And he said, "Look, <laughs> uh, nobody's going to be looking at me." Yeah. Uh, right, you are, how many sir. Times- and he was right, of course, but uh, it's um, you know. But they were saying, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to skew to a larger audience. You know, everybody's sitting on the sofa watching this, and you know, we something for dad here, okay? Oh, yeah. well, Tom. So I don't know, but um, and she has to wear contact lenses because she has bright blue eyes, and they said, you know, they didn't think that made sense for Leela. Um, since they're all human descendants, though, I'm not sure about the logic of that anyway. Um, but yeah, and apparently that, you know, the technology's changed a lot in 40 years, but apparently to make her blue eyes brown, she had these red contact lenses hmm. and they hurt like hell. And she can only wear them for a little while at a time. So she would literally put them in, go before the camera and take them back out again. And, um, wow. Yeah, and there's spoiler. There's a later episode where uh, a miracle will happen that's actually going to turn her brown eyes blue. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Which happens entirely so that she doesn't have to wear those things anymore. But so, I mean, and you heard her at, at Hulanta. I mean, the, you know, every episode was doing something like that silly thing in uh, in Talons of Wing Chang, where she, where there she she's falls down in the water. And there's electrical cables everywhere, and there's this oil-based mist, and it's you know it's just burning her. She, it's like, yeah, yeah. What, what did you do at work today, Louise? You know, like, uh. and you know that you want to be a good sport, and you want to keep saying, you know, my co-star hates me, and they tried to kill me today, but doggone it, I'm on television. Yeah. And so, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's paying your dues. Yep. Yeah. To the yep. extremes. <laughs> I think that's so, one of the reasons why I feel finally about uh, Louise and have enjoyed seeing her in everything else that she's done because I do. I feel like I respect her. I really respect the fact she's a trooper. She puts up with – she has put up with a lot of crap over the yeah. years. And so so yeah. speaking of putting up with a lot of crap, <laughs> the doctor ultimately had to put up with a lot of crap from Zoannan at the end because the, the, the even though the doctor shared a – quote unquote shared conscious as part of the basis for this machine that was having this identity crisis. It was, we're going to kill you thing. So my question is, did you guys like how the story ended? Hmm. I like the sacrifice by, uh, I forget his name. Um, the shaman there. I, I like that. But as far as what happened to the doctor, um, 
I think it made sense. I mean, it was the only logical conclusion. I think um, I love how we have these two warring parties, factions, the surveyors and the technicians. I love that kind of, you know, funny thing. It really reminded me of like Silicon Valley and how people <laughs> in tech think they're the elite of the human race. Uh, it really, you know, all these years later kind of reminded me of that <laughs> and everybody else are Neanderthals, of course. Yeah. But, but yeah, it reminded me of that. So I really like that. And I like how they gravitated to this, uh, telepathic, uh, uh, path. And you have the, uh, other, the, uh, the, wow. Was it the Sir, Sir? What's the name of them? Sir, the, the survey team or the Sir, Severtine. Se- and the Severin, Severin, Severin. You had th- th- those people gravitating more toward fighting and barbarism sort of uh, uh, community. So I really love how they put those two against each other. But we do see at the end here where the doctor, I assume they're using some type of telepathy to injure him when he's in the in the heart of the. <laughs> oh, so yeah, they, they're they're psionic. They uh, yeah, they they were doing all kinds of mind control. They uh, uh, and it's it's a little bit of a surprise when uh, one of them is able to uh, kind of freeze the doctor and keep him from leaving the room. You think, wow, that's a time lord. You just did that too, um, dude. <laughs> um, oh, they mentioned eugenics too as well. I thought that was interesting. yes. Uh huh. You know, this is a story that I would have loved to have seen them follow back up on in a hundred or a thousand or five hundred years where the doctor goes back and sees what they became after the two tribes began working together. That would have been an interesting concept. Mm hmm. (laughs) Well, when Clarence said earlier that uh, this is a mistake that the doctor made by not, you know, remembering or following up on what he did, I thought of Wrath of Khan, of course, which has kind of the same problem, you know. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Kirk said, wouldn't it be interesting to go back and see? But And he didn't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, wouldn't it be interesting to come back to these people and find out that things actually got worse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after the doctor, <laughs> after Leela took off from the TARDIS and the doctor got in at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, said, I, I do love the progression of the generations. I guess we don't know how long it's been. Uh, of course, the doctor can go any time. But it reminded me a lot of the doctor's daughter where we have these two war factions don't even remember why they you know, started mm-hmm. fighting in the first place. Right. Uh, it really reminded me of that. So I love that aspect of having these generations grow and, you know, new generation, new generation. And they kind of forget, especially when you talk about the Severin, where they kind of forget where they came from. I think more so mm-hmm. the, the, the Tesh kind of remembered a little bit. It was more built into their lore of uh, their history. But, you know, the Severin, they, they kind of were just out there by themselves. and didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But isn't it interesting that we could see how you feel like it makes sense that the Seva team have developed a a tribal religion and it's based on, you know, there's there's a holy man and there's, you know, and and there's these these rituals and traditions they have going. We think of that as being very primitive. And then we get up into the ship and we meet the Tesh and they're very much the same way. And isn't that a surprise that they that they worship Zoanan? Yeah. They're, they're, they call yeah. themselves the acolytes of Zoanan, and they have these rituals and this preposterous bowing thing that takes a long time to do. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that they would have worked on that as time went by. <laughs> can, yeah. can we abbreviate this a little bit? But uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing how similar they are, really. Well, I just want to say if anyone listening wants to hear our review of The Doctor's Daughter, you can listen to that on episode number 159. So, 
Guys, quick question. Anything else before we get into our favorite scene? The, another uh, kind of behind-the-scenes story, um, a, a, again, apocryphal. I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, Tom Baker was really trying to fight for this idea, ironically, that the doctor is a man of ideas and not a man of weapons. And I think that's sort of his response to John Pertwee's doctor. But at one point, he's supposed to to hold somebody up with a knife. And um, so the story goes, Tom Baker just said, the doctor doesn't do that. So he he ad libs this line instead. <laughs> yeah, drop your weapons or I'll kill him with this deadly jelly baby. <laughs> and Which then I love. I love that. And then when, when his bluff is called, <laughs> he has to do something else, which is I don't take orders from anyone. Take me to your leader. <laughs> so good. It's uh, beautiful. A side note to that: uh, I think Hitch, how do you pronounce his name? Hitch Hitchcliffe. It's uh, Hinchcliffe, yeah, Philip Hinchcliffe, yes. He's, he's the producer this year. Yes, yeah. and was on set uh, and was livid when Tom Baker did that. Yeah, yeah, he was saying that's not in the script and, you know, you're – and I don't think, knowing Hinchcliffe, I don't think that he was objecting to the, to the doctor trying to be true to his own principles. I think as a producer he was just saying, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Don't let Tom start ad-libbing lines in this. I. But that's my guess. Is that's really what his issue was? Well, you, you, <laughs> but it's a better. I mean, yeah, it is. That, it's that's so beautiful. much better a moment than if he just held him up with a knife, you know. Well, I think also it. He may have let Tom win this battle because there's a later scene where he has a crossbow. Yes, he does, and he like break the guy breaks the guy's leg, and then he holds him up <laughs> with a crossbow. Yes, he says, "Do that again, and I'll break your nose." Yes. yes, and and really, the reason why I brought this up is that something that I don't think I'd ever really caught before watching it this time is that the doctor is holding one of those the hortas that looks like a giant silverfish, you know, and we've just been told that one of those can strip the bones off your arm, you know. Yeah, he still got it, and then and it's this moment where one of the guards uh, backhands Leela. Yeah, and the yeah. doctor's res- and the doctor's response to that, and this shows that you know the relationship is forming, right? Oh, <laughs> he throws the horda at the guy, <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. and Leela make their escape. So he's covering his exit, but it's also like, dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and, don't, don't hit my my new favorite. <laughs> and oh, my doctor doesn't shoot guns. He learned from William, William Tell. That's how yes. he can shoot so good. So don't That's say right. doctor is anti gun completely. Yeah. Well, he can yeah. shoot with the best of them. You know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. But you're right. Yeah, he he, he learned from William Tell. <laughs> All right, so guys, let's get into our favorite scene. And Clarence, I'll start with you. What was your favorite scene? Wow, did I have a favorite scene? Um. Oh wow, I really got to think about this. I don't know. I don't know. I'll let one of you guys go and come back around to me. I hadn't thought. Of All it. right. So I'll I'll go next. I'll say my favorite scene would have to be when um, Neva walked in with the thing on his head. That ju- that just made me laugh out loud because <laughs> it was so funny that this guy thinks that this is some kind of grand headpiece that he's wearing, and it's just a astronaut's 
glove. I, I just thought that was hilarious. So that was my favorite scene. Lee, what say you? It does make you wonder, doesn't it, if uh, if ancient cultures could suddenly come, you know, to our present and they might look around in the in our museum and say, wait, you think that's supposed to go with that? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Here, bring that down. Let me show you what we really use that for. Because that's not, no. <laughs> yeah. Good guess, but no. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's easy. Is that last shot of, of part one. I mean, it, oh. I think that's one of the great moments of all classic Who. Of all right. TV. Come on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Great. It seems, it seems I have been here before. Yeah. Yeah, but my runner-up is uh, is uh, Neva um, warding off the Doctor's evil with the Ultra Beam Accelerator, and he doesn't know what it is. You know, he's shaking it like it's a rattle. <laughs> yes. The Doctor says, "I'd be careful with that if I were you. It's an Ultra Beam Accelerator. <laughs> See how it fears the sacred relics of Zoanan. You're gonna blow <laughs> up half the planet, the city. Transform this whole village into a smoky hole in the ground. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> threatens us. <laughs> oh boy, so good." All right. So favorite quote. And Lee, I'll start with you this time. Favorite quote. Just like that, that iconic last moment of uh, part one, this this uh, uh, episode, this series has uh, one of the most often quoted lines of all classic who the very powerful and the very stupid have one thing in common. They don't change their views to fit the facts. They change the facts to fit their views. Oh, Hmm. wow. That's deep. Very deep. deep. Very relevant. Very relevant. Yes. All right. Clarence, favorite quote? I had a few, but another one that stuck out with me is um, the doctor says to Leela, you want to eat a jelly baby? And then she says, it's true then. They said the evil one eats babies. I'm like, no, no, that's not what it, but it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I love that. That was my favorite quote. <laughs> I, I heard that and I was like, oh, this, 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 oh I'm going to love this. I love that. That, 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 oh. Yeah, I, I remember that. when I heard that line first, I had never had a jelly baby because we don't they're not commonly you, you can't find them here in the States. But I thought it must be just like a jelly bean. And for some reason, they call them that. So imagine my delight when I finally got my hands on some jelly babies and, <laughs> and found that they actually look like little babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you eat them. And you do. <laughs> oh, I do. I do have oh, a I love- a runner-up, um, and it was when the doctor said, um, "Answers are easy. It's taking, it's asking the right questions, which is hard." That reminded me a lot of Jodie Whittaker, so that's why I like that line as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so gentlemen, let's go into our final rating scale of one to five. Clarence, I'll start with you this time. Final rating. Oh man, uh, four and a half. Tesh bows out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that may take a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Lee, what say you? Uh, same number. I'm going to give it four and a half Janus thorns. Oh, deadly. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to give it. Okay. I, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it five strange hand head pieces <laughs> minus a Skype recorder because I didn't have a Skype recorder because yeah. I lost my recorder. Uh, yeah. So 4.5. That's me. I like the hat. Very fetching. 
And like, and also at this point, shouldn't a doctor just take that bioanalyzer and put it on the TARDIS? Because he's going to need that in the future. We we need to bring that along with us. That's a good point. <laughs> and if he's already got one, then why didn't he go back to the TARDIS for it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, you reminded me of something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, Chris Boucher named this character that he that he created uh, after a, a a real person. Um, a uh, with the with the with the Israeli Palestinian uh, conflict, it's hard to I don't want to call her a terrorist, but she did hijack an airplane. But anyway, you could call her a hero of the revolution. You know, it depends on whose side you're on. Anyway, but um, but but you know, he 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 really admired her and 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 said, you know, I I, I need a, a a tough sounding you know woman name, so he calls her Leela after Leela Khaled, and I just love hmm. the fact that her last name is Khaled. Anyway, the you know that's the race from which the Daleks descend. Yes. But anyway, but uh, but Leela Khaled is not responsible for Daleks. I want to make that clear. But the favor gets paid forward because Leela, or did she? The favor gets paid forward. So Chris Boucher names uh, uh, this character Leela after Leela Khaled, and so who is named for Doctor Who's Leela? Who? Futurama's Taranga Lila. Ah, okay. <laughs> because um, um, uh, Matt Groening is a huge Doctor Who fan, and uh, yeah, so so he has a, a tough woman, and so he names her Lila as well. So there you go. This Lila does look better than that Lila. She has the right number of eyeballs. Yes, <laughs> from our point of view, yes. Yes. All right. So, gentlemen, this has been interesting. This, I will say this is the first time that I can remember being on Discussing Who, literally, and I have to say it one more time, without my recorder. <laughs> uh, well, there was a time barrier that got in your way, you know. Maybe yeah. so. Yeah. Maybe so. It well, was an auspicious day anyway, because as we record this, it's May 19th. Do you know where I was two years ago today? Not here. Not here. I was sitting in the backyard of my friends. Dave Ashley <sighs> Cooper. I was sitting out having a glass of wine with Dave Cooper in the backyard of my good friends, Carlo and Jimena, in their house in Huddersfield. Hood, Hoods, I can't say it like Jody Whitaker does. But anyway, yeah, that was two years ago today. So shout out to Dave A.C. Cooper and um, two years. Awesome, 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 awesome. So, gentlemen, I have one more question for you, and I'm going to not say who I'm going to let go first. Because, you know what? <laughs> I'll go first because I don't remember who went first last because I don't have my freaking recorder. So uh, I'm going to say if you would like to check out other things that we are working on, please check out the DiscussingNetwork.com. And whoever wants to say something next, go for it. Um, I'll say if you want to see some of the cool things Cal posts from time to time, as well as other people who contribute, and you can join in as well by going to facebook.com slash groups slash discussing network. Wow. Yeah. That, that, that took me by surprise. I wouldn't, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> so, so Lee. I have revamped the website at relativitypodcast.com. So I encourage people to hop over there and see what I've been doing. I'm messing around with the insides of my websites, relativitypodcast.com. All right. 
So I will end this episode by saying thanks, everyone, for sticking with me through, especially the two of you gentlemen <laughs> on here with me through this wibbly-wobbly review, which I still think was a lot of fun. It was fun. Uh, the cool thing is I figured out what's wrong with my recorder, so that is awesome. But for everyone listening, thanks for joining us, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.